So Evan, this is normally my my turn to do the intro. We we trade off time time and time again to keep things even and responsibility even. But you told me ahead of time that you thought you had a great intro for this, and you know what? I'm gonna take an unprecedented move and offer to yield my intro time. This is the intro that you had planned. Your planned intro was not to do an intro. Yeah, you know what? I planned. It's like planning to donate to charity. I'm sorry, it's not a spur-of-the-moment thing for me. I'm uh, deliberate with it. You know what's you know what's really interesting is um, sometimes charities will refuse a donation. I've never heard of this. If they disagree with the morals of the person who has you donated that money. You know, I donate a lot of money to a lot of charities, so I think I would You know. almost certainly yeah, do most, not do I that at all. So. Then each of these charities tell me, Sir, you donate way more than anyone else. These are just women named charity. <laughs> no, hey. Hey, Evan. Evan, can we redo this intro real quick? <laughs> this has just diverged from where I planned. Uh, otherwise, I think it was going almost supernaturally well. Oh. Hey. Tell me, Bree, can you tell me at all what your intro was going to be? Nah, dude. I'll put it in the outro. Ah, oh, darn it. Darn it, Garnet, Steven Universe. But we're talking about Supernatural. And uh, Evan, uh, well, let's let's talk about Supernatural when we get into the episode. Or are we doing that well, now? Let's tell let's tell people who we are. No, let's talk about Supernatural. Let's tell tell people who let's Dean and Sam are. Let's tell people who we are. I think uh, my name is Evan. Uh, this uh, this guy's Luke. Uh, these guys are two best friends here to talk about their favorite meddling kids. And their dumb dog too. No, and, um, and their supernatural problems that they're they're always facing and having to match um, up against. One of the other things we have to do in the intro is tell you what we're recapping. In this case, it is uh, Scooby Natural, which is not an episode of Scooby Doo. No, it's well, it kind of is in some ways, uh, but it's primarily an episode of the TV series, the live-action TV series Supernatural. Uh, what can you tell us the season and the episode number? It's the 16th episode of the 13th season. It aired, it aired on March 29th, 2018. Here we are recording on March 31st, 2018. This is fresh, ladies and gentlemen. This might be the freshest piece of media we've ever recorded on, aside from maybe a comic series. Uh, and do you want to, I'm just letting you do all this, I know you have all the tabs open, read them the premise so that we can play the theme song. The premise is... Scooby Natural is the 16th episode of season 13. It aired on March 29th, 2018. The pre- no, the, the synopsis. Sorry, the synopsis. Also, what Sorry. you read was also not a premise. You know that, right? Um, let, me, let me just scroll down a little bit. Uh, plot, pencil, emoji, edit, TBA. You know what? You did this bit last episode. <laughs> I think, you know what? You were telling me we had some great numbers last week. This is all I can think of. We had amazing numbers last week. I don't want to. I don't want to tell our numbers. Tell our listeners how this. <laughs> like this is too much sausage making. We were in the double digits last week, people. Woo! We made it. <laughs> I don't know why we're graduating, <laughs> but that's what came to mind. Circumstance. <laughs> oh the pomp! Oh the circumstance! Oh the episode we're about to recap, in which Dean, Sam, Dean and Cass are transported into the animated world of Scooby-Doo, where they join forces with the actual Scooby-Doo gang to solve a ghostly mystery. And I feel obliged to reference the other episode this pertains to because it it takes place... No, 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 no. Let's, no. let's save it. Let's oh, save it for the recap. It. Oh, dear listeners, you'll have to join us after the, after the theme song. 
Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doos. So just to start with, I want to kill two, three minutes just to say not I, no research no research two to three minutes i want you and i collectively know about supernatural M- most of what i knew about supernatural was just ha- a little thing about the a little bit about the characters from gifs oh interesting i had seen one episode the pilot episode prior to watching this episode here and i was then off the supernatural train correct me if i'm wrong but the first episode begins with their mother being killed by a demon and if uh, she's on fire on the ceiling, is that accurate? Uh, she, I think she's bleeding or dying on the ceiling. She definitely dies on the ceiling. It, it starts with a flashback to that, and then Sam and Dean, these two brothers. Um, the Winchester brothers. The Winchester brothers, whose father b- battles supernatural creatures, um, meet up and go on this mission at, to solve a supernatural mystery. And at the end of it, Sam, the younger brother's fiance, dies exactly as his mother did spoiler alert for the very first episode of supernatural which aired like 13 years ago so long 13 seasons if you didn't hear us in the intro this show has been on for a long time it has staying power even though i have to, i just again the first episode didn't hook me it took itself a little bit too seriously and i'm not into procedurals very much and and i do not believe that that is how uh the series has progressed especially taking this episode into account um l- listeners don't fact check me <laughs> Um, but what I believe took place, and this is one of, uh, this is a little analogy I came up with. I feel like Supernatural is much, was much like World of Warcraft in that your player character, you scaled. So, um, early on in World of Warcraft, sorry, my chair's creaking. Early on in World of Warcraft, it's like, hey, go kill some boars, bring me some boar tusks. And you're like, oh man, I gotta kill some pigs. And you're like, killing them. And then after that, they're like, oh, hey, now go fight some bandits. And you're like, all right, I'm gonna fight some bandits. And then you keep going and it's like, oh, kill this like demon warlord. And then like in World of Warcraft Legion, you were literally like fighting alongside like the creators of the world, like the Pantheon. And you like basically helped them to uh, kill. Sorry, wow. spoilers for World of Warcraft Legion. We're ruining a uh, lot of media. Sargeras, yeah. who's like Satan in, um, in like World of Warcraft. Which is to say that, like, again, ugh, I mean, fa- whatever, fact check me if you want. But from my understanding, Sam and Dean, they run through so many supernatural threats. I think they also are like battling like God and Satan uh, and, and whatnot just because... They're, they're, they've done too much. Yeah, it, Do you know what I mean? It's really, uh, it kind of reached the highest point of ex- escalation it could have reached, but I, I've heard it also become self-aware. This is mostly just stuff I've heard about it. Again, like, we're speaking kind of past our base of knowledge. Neither Evan nor I know very much about World of Warcraft. I know so a lot about World of Warcraft. Some of these analogies might not hold up. Yeah, we're, we're very ignorant, very ignorant. I apologize, listeners, who are actually fans of this stuff. Like, um... Blizzard Studios, I think. We don't know this stuff. It's not a developer either okay, of us are familiar it's with. It's upsetting that you, it, took you, it took you so long. You couldn't even say, like, Night Elves. <laughs> you had to butcher the, the English word name of the company. Basic summary of Supernatural is I think you need to have it going into this episode. Sam and Dean are brothers who battle Supernatural, uh, who face Supernatural mysteries. And they have a huge, long history of doing this, but it's not really relevant. 
and there's their friend Cass, who's a powerful magical being. He's an angel, right? He's an angel, yeah. I'm gonna call him in this, because Cass, I don't care for it as a name. I don't watch Supernatural, so I'm sorry. I'm going against the hardcore fans. He's Angel Misha to me. Angel Misha. Uh, that's, that is my primary inter- my primary knowledge. Or a lo- rather, a lot of my exposure to Supernatural is via Tumblr, and people talking about Misha Collins. Yeah, that's the thing, is people don't talk about... I've never heard his name before this episode, and I heard it, and I'm like, who the heck? I, I yeah, was like, he's... I thought Misha was going to show up. And they're like, Cass, blah, 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 blah. Wait, but the, but the thing is, they, call, they don't call Sam and Dean Jared Padalecki and <laughs> whatever the other guy's name is. Jensen Ackles, I've heard, but mostly out of your lips. Oh, I have heard Jensen Ackles. Yeah. Um, let's, let's, recap, let's, do the, let's recap this episode. Let's talk this episode. So, Evan, as I understand it, you, you had some gripes with this episode. I have to say I found it a delight all the way through. But I had no gripes. I loved this episode. What? I loved okay. Scooby Natural. It's just, we had a different conversation before we got on the... Yeah, we okay. had a different conversation in that I, I loved it, and you said you weren't completely sold on it. I see what's happening here. You're doing a bit where you pretend we feel differently about it. And you know what? Okay, fine. I'll play into that. I can pretend to be in the role of someone who didn't fully enjoy this episode. Even though, <laughs> again, listeners, I loved it completely, and I had no qualms with it whatsoever. So how does the, uh, how does the episode start? So, I, I know that we've talked about this as being a gritty, grim, sort of uh, gory, to really pile on the alliteration, um, a procedural show. Uh, but this show starts out in, what, I think, one of the campiest ways possible, in that Dean um, is fighting kind of like a knockoff Barney. Like, it's, it's a, um, what appears to be a man in a dinosaur suit. Yeah, I'd say it's like a reptar Barney. Um, and I say campy because it's not like ah I'm being attacked. It's more of it's sort of like a it's it's played goofily. Um, he, it, you don't I don't think he watches and for a second think that he could be hurt by this thing. There's no there's not even the pretense of peril. Yeah, I, again I think I think camp mm. I think campy is probably the best way to describe it. Um, Sam comes in. Uh, I guess we can describe them for Scooby Doo fans who are not necessarily mm. supernatural fans. Um, you if you want to describe Dean. Oh, you're gonna save the the prize morsel for yourself, the filet mignon. I sure am. <laughs> you're gonna I sure uh, am. Feed the true feet. Well, hey, it's I've got a pretty tasty dish myself. Uh, Dean is what I'd call classically handsome, a man with the opposite kind of hairline as myself, like one that threatens to butt against his eyebrows at times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's got I I'd say a charmingly jockish face and build. Mm-hmm. He looks not super tall, but I think that's next to Sam, his brother. Uh, so Sam, I, Sam, I believe, is the one who's played by, by Jared, Jared Padalecki. Padalecki. And the reason... Jared Padalecki. The reason I re- always remember who is who, because it can be confusing to uh, those who are novices, those who are not as familiar with the show, um, Jared Padalecki played a character named Dean on Gilmore Girls. Really? And so that's why I know that he can't be Dean on Supernatural. Because they wouldn't make him Dean... <laughs> Yeah, he wouldn't. He would never be uh, Dean twice. Why, so he's Sam. Why? Oh, why overt that possibility of continuity? While I was watching, while I was watching Gilmore Girls, I was like, if only he had been cast as Dean you know Winchester. What? He could. He could have been double look, look Dean. Here. I am not a. I've never watched Gilmore Girls. Really, I've barely dipped into Supernatural. Again, I didn't care for it. I would have watched both shows if that was a connection. Can you just imagine? He would have been Dean, 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 Dean Machine. <laughs> 
uh, uh, Sam, he's Sam on this show. Uh, tall, broad-shouldered, a mm. uh, higher hairline, long hair, not sho- not quite shoulder length, but long. It's I think what we've described is like '90s hot, '90s. I mean, cool. well, again, he was in Gilmore Girls, which I think was past was like past Y2K. Like yeah. I'm pretty sure Gilmore Girls is post Y2K. And I think they wrote into his contract on Supernatural, we want Dean from Gilmore Girls. Like he has to be. We need that hair. They're both good. They're both they're both really handsome. Um, and mm. so, sorry. Let me let me run through some action, and then we'll we'll, we'll return to the characters. Uh, so, the, well, to to describe the setting, it looks like they're in a pawn shop or something like that. Dean is fighting the dinosaur. Uh, Sam comes in and saves him. They throw holy oil on the dinosaur and the lighter, um, and there's some flames. And then the uh, the suit promptly explodes, but there's no body inside. No, it's just, it explodes into stuffing like cotton. So maybe not so much a suit as it was just a giant. A suit-like plushed uh, plush toy. You know, I realize now I never, I don't know what it was supposed to be, but I guess it was just a giant toy. It definitely looked like a suit. Maybe it's just because it was so obviously operated by a person. Again, campy, the right word. Yeah, very campy, which I, Dean, but Dean, Dean's line delivery, I find very funny. Oh, it's it's straight comedic almost every time. There's like a growliness uh, a little bit to his voice. Um... But he, it's so, he's, it's, he's, it's so scenery chewing. There's a lot of personality to the way, he gives a lot of life to his character. And I I do find him interesting as a voice. We, we really get to visit them as voice actors in this episode in a way that they, we probably don't see normally in Supernatural. Yeah. And and it's, it's, it's a way of really isolating their, their voice talents, their vocal talents. I believe that they've done voice work before. At least one of them has for like DC animated shows. And uh, for the moment, I mean, of course, we come in on live action. After the dinosaur explodes, the pawn shop owner kind of like pops up behind the counter. He's like, oh boy, shucks, thanks for saving me. Alan is, uh, says that like, yeah, thanks for saving me. Like this dinosaur would have like done him bodily harm. Uh, you know, I, he's very grateful. This, uh, so Alan is like an older man, um, a little bit of facial hair, glasses. Um, Jay walks in through the front doors and he's like, oh, I heard a ruckus over here. He's like, what's going on? He sees, like, the the stuffing. He sees it's all on fire. And Jay is also a middle-aged white dude, but, like, balder. And he has not necessarily a goofy face, but he makes goofy faces. He's really mugging for the camera. And to what end, it's not clear initially. They, they um, Sam and Dean provide a little bit of a cover-up. Oh, oh this was a... Detective, defective product, you know, uh, it's, it's nothing. We're just inspectors. We came to. That's that's kind of what Dean sounds like to me. That's a very faithful Dean, I have to say. I'm not a I'm not a supernatural guy, but that sounds accurate to me. Here's a question for you, Evan, because I don't really know. In supernatural, how accepted is it that supernatural things are there in the world? Because it's accepted enough that the pawn shop owner knows it and knows who to call. And it's also to say that Winchester. Yeah, they were called into town to investigate. Uh, let me look at my notes. Uh, they rolled into town because people were seeing a lizard monster. You know, this is almost a, a reference to... Ooh, what's the Mystery Incorporated episode? With the lizard? Creeping creatures. With the creeping creatures. Hmm. But not quite. Not quite. <laughs> I don't think it's um, quite a reference. Uh, j- just to go back, we're just to hit some more plot beats. Um, 
it the the background for Jay is Alan tells them Big Jay owns everything. He owns like the laundromat. He owns a Chinese restaurant. He owns like the video store. Um, he's the big guy around these parts. Uh, Sam and Dean are saying, "Oh, the suit was a cursed object." Alan says he's so grateful. He's he's extremely extremely thankful. Take anything you like, and Dean immediately eyes a large flat screen television. To say, I like the guy's taste, that's not a bad choice. Well, cut to Sam. They're in some sort of um, hideout base, home base. Again, you and I don't watch Supernatural. We don't really know how this normally goes. Yeah. I believe they they drive around in a muscle car, is my understanding, from, from yeah. area to area. I think the car is really like Woody Allen's New York is Supernatural's muscle car. Like, it's the main character of Supernatural, if you really break it down. It's the boss. I don't know anything about Woody Allen. Isn't he a predator? He's not a good choice of a reference anymore. That's my bad. <laughs> Let me turn to another paragon of filmmaking. Let's talk man cave instead. <laughs> so basically, they're, they're at their home base. Sam is flipping through a book, uh, a, what looks to be a book of the arcane. He can't find anything on cursed objects that attack people. A kind of welcoming statement to people who are unfamiliar with Supernatural. I'd say this is a very gentle episode for non-fans of that series. I would even go so far as to say that this show is almost like a jumping on point. People watch you this think and so? I do. I th is this a new 52 of Supernatural in a way? Uh, well, no, no, because the new, the new 52 was a reboot of the continuity. And I think the way that I think the impact that all these characters will have had after interacting with the Scooby-Doo gang will be like a new an emotional new 52 for Supernatural. You know what is, I think, the coolest thing to me about Supernatural, mm. and this is related, but also um, getting us off track, Sam and Dean go to an alternate universe, and in that alternate universe, there are comic book covers that have been framed, and they're all alternate takes on what actually happened in DC Comics. Really? So there's like that famous comic cover where um, Superman is holding uh, Kara, holding Supergirl, and she's dead, mm. but instead it's Supergirl holding Superman. Hmm. And if, and if you zoom in, you can see that it's all of these alternate... Just to be like, this is really an alternate universe. Things happen differently, both in real life and in, like, the, in the fiction in hey. this... Alt yeah, it's, I, which I was, like, huge attention to detail, great Easter egg, and you can see these uh, comic book covers, like, blown up, like, they're on. I love a good freeze-frame-worthy Easter egg. The show goes up in my standing just for that alone. So it's unusual that uh, we learn a little bit about the nature of the beast, perhaps, but Dean doesn't really want any of that. Again, he's got a cool man cave, which, which both he and I want to talk about. It's got a foosball table. It's got a couch. It's got a big TV. It has no windows. Uh, hey, uh, c come here. <laughs> I need to show you something. It's important. <laughs> uh, and yeah, their vibe, their vibe is really great because Sam clearly... They're in town for a job. He, they think that the suit is a cursed object. They just want to. He wants to get to the bottom of it. What is the supernatural entity that they have to battle or destroy or defeat or release? Mm. And Dean is like, he has a man cave, and uh, and the the focal point of this man cave, the TV. TV. It's the central piece of any room with a huge TV, where you want it to be the central piece. Here, because as I kept talking through that, I'm like, oh, but oh, there's qualification. Well, not really in this case. No, Luke, you've been in a room that had a TV. Barely even noticed. It took you a minute. Uh, but they turned it on, and you have to notice a TV when it sucks you into the world of Scooby-Doo. Nice save. Yeah, the, uh, there are purple sparks that appear behind the TV, and they're zapped. 
and boom, they're, they're in. And they're freaking out. They've, there's a lot of big freakouts in this episode. And there's a, as they're freaking out, they're trying, to figure, they're trying to find out what the reason is for their being zapped into the TV. And, and, um, and I think it's cool that they, they make reference to stuff, but I, as a brand new viewer, didn't need to know the, the specifics behind it. Well, they're like, oh, maybe this is an angel thing, or maybe mm. this is the trickster. And I, just, I was just like, oh, this is clearly stuff that happened in seasons one through 12. Yeah, it's, they reference the lore... Um, as nods for fans, but not in ways that exclude, again, newcomers like myself. It's a good jumping on point. Uh, just a couple of notes on how they're animated, perhaps. I want to say Jared as Sam looks very faithful, very recognizable. Jared as Sam, you think is very good. But I think what you're going to tell me is that you do not like Jensen as Dean. He looks so bland. He looks like they pulled a stock background character from an episode of Mystery Incorporated, I, I will say this ahead of being introduced to the Scooby Do- to mm-hmm. Scooby Doo or Mystery Incorporated that the style that they've chosen is the same style of the uh, the direct to DVD movies. Uh, an example of which is um, Scooby Doo and the Beach Beastie. We recap that if you want mm. to go listen to it. It's like episode thirty five or something. I don't know. It's a very faithful update of the classic style, as we'll find this appropriately is. Um, but it's a little. I feel like part of the blandness is the fact that they are the three main characters who are going to appear from Supernatural here are all white dudes who look similar. It, you know what? It really is true. And, and I say, I, like, credit to Sam, he has a very distinct haircut. That's the most you can say is that his hair is different. <laughs> and it's different because it's really old, an old style. My, my chief complaint is that they all look very similar and they sound very similar. Dean is the only one who is distinct and he is not all that distinct i think they i think they all have very distinctive voices that's I, me i think when you break them down they're not them as characters don't have very distinct voices i think i think dean is uh again he's got he's kind of has that gruff but he's also like really he he's easily distracted he's a child he's a child in like a man's body he and makes, then i agree he makes himself distinct and then sam is like a little bit exasperated and then castiel who we will get to is sort of like that alieny, rob- robotic kind of character. So I, to me, I find them very distinct. Um, my issue with it, and I guess I'm, I'm throwing out some criticisms of Supernatural. Again, I'm not. I don't watch the show a whole lot. I'm just kind of analyzing it within the context of this. Sam and Castile, I think, come off as playing the straight man in a way that kind of sucks personality, especially out of Sam, because he has to play the straight man to the straight man. You think Sam is the... St- I think I both Sam, I think both Sam, Sam and Castile play things straight. I think I think that Sam is, is the only straight man. I think that Castile can't be the straight man because he's too weird. He's weird, but I think he's weird because of how straight he is. Mmm, okay. I think All that's right. the thing. And I, you know, now that I'm saying it, it sounds like a really brilliant genius comic structure thing that they've created here and i don't want to no stop smiling and nodding no i don't that's not what i want uh they they see their car they're like nice we're gonna do what we always do we're gonna drive which 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 i think i want to note is how scooby-doo episodes work and typically in scooby-doo we don't even cut to them getting in the car let's just straight to them in the car driving they're just already in the car um but they pull up to a malt shop and Dean recognized the mystery machine immediately, and he's like, oh, we're not in yeah. any cartoon. We're in Scooby-Doo. And then um, there's, like, the traditional uh, haunted sort of backdrop, and then bats, and the... Scree, scree, scree! <laughs> and then 
we get sort of like the t- uh, the mm. a- episode name Scooby Natural. It's done in the uh, classic supernatural flaming design font. Whatever. It's a nice visual marriage of the two, and an introduction to being in the world of Scooby. And I'll say it it really honors a lot about Scooby right here from the start when they realize that the gang is in the diner and Dean urges Sam, we've got to go see them. There's some hero worship. Sorry. They go inside the mall shop. The gang is dancing on the dance floor. Uh, Sam, sorry, Dean is like, oh, Sam, like, look, they're like, there's a Scooby gang. Um, they're doing the exact dance that they were doing in Jeepers is the Creeper when they go to that barn dance. It's a wonderful reference. One of many loving references they throw down in this. Um, and we, we established right from the start that uh, Dean uh, loves Scooby-Doo in his scene, it seems, many an episode. You said um, hero worship, which I think is very accurate. Mm. He's, I think he's acting exactly the way you or I might act I if we were agree. in Scooby-Doo. I was about to ask you if that's how we would act, and I think that is exactly how we would act. He's Sco- Scoob is, uh, and, I quote, uh, and I quote Dean, Scoob's not just any talking dog. He's the greatest talking dog in history. Um Here's one thing I will mention, and I, and I will say it right now, and, and I'll try not to bring it up as we go on. Dean says time and time again, he refers to them as the Scooby Gang. Okay, thank you, man. They, they said it specifically. Sam says, your dream is to hang out with the Scooby Gang? Like, hey, just the gang. It's just the gang, or, it's the, or Mystery Incorporated. Yeah, they, they really want to keep emphasizing because that Luke, it's Scooby... It, but it's Scooby Doo and the gang. I think at the minimum. Do you know who the Scooby Gang are? Who the Scooby Gang are? Are they? Aren't they like the third faction between the Bloods and the Crips? Like, like they're the Libertarians. Okay, shut up. Um, <laughs> of that. Okay, no, I have no idea what. I have no clue. Th- this is coming from someone who's never seen an entire episode. But in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Buffy and her friends are known as the Scooby Gang. What? You're not kidding. I wasn't. No, I'm not making it up. And look, again, Luke, I've never seen an entire episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I just know that to be true. That's just like a trivia fact I have. And it's, they were named that apparently, I'm just reading this right now, as a reference to Scooby-Doo and the gang. Oh, of course. Um, so Dean is saying that uh, he keeps calling them the Scooby gang. They're, they're, they are their role models. He, he claims that they are the role models for both him and... Both of the Winchesters, Sam and Dean, together, they go on. They go. They solve mysteries, uh, except for Fred. He's a wad. Oh, you, you're again. You're beating me to my notes. He says dibs on Daphne, and then very shortly afterwards, Fred is a wad, or maybe the other way around. But he really doesn't like Fred, who I have to say acts so courteously in response. Dean just walks up to their table as they're enjoying malts together, and it's like, hey, can we, hey, can we join you here? Fred. And Fred is the one that says, yeah, Fred, sure, take a seat. Yeah, just, uh, come on over. And uh, we're, um, Velma's like, we're just celebrating. Uh, apparently they're celebrating because Scooby has just been named heir to a fortune because he saved the life of a colonel. From drowning in a pond. Oh, does this sound familiar, listeners? It should because we've covered this exact same episode. Uh, I think it was our episode five. That episode is a night of fright is no delight. And I was beside myself, Luke. I, I could went, not believe it either. Oh yeah. my goodness. And here's the thing. As I was recognizing what was happening, so was Dean. Dean knew the episode. He says the episode title. They, they, one thing I'll give Supernatural is that they always have, a, they give you an analog on the screen. 
Here, there's a hardcore Scooby fan, and there is Sam who does not care or know anything. Um, and Dean is the one to say, no, we need to invest in this right yeah. now. And also, this is a night of Friday's no delight. He says exactly what we just said. And and um, I, I really love just the way that they're treating it, because he grabs the newspaper, which has, like, the, the graphics, or rather the animation has been updated to current standards, where we are, the year of our Lord 2018. But the newspaper is, like, the newspaper from, like, the original show. And so he's showing his brother, and then, and, and um, Sam is like, there are no words in this newspaper, Dean. And you zoom in, and it's just like the lines and, and scratchy coloring, like that Hanna-Barbera roughness. It's, uh, it's a loving moment. I really love that. I also loved when they ask, like, oh, how'd the colonel die? Which we asked in the original episode. <laughs> and Fred? So like, Finally an answer. And Fred says, what does he say? He's, uh, cancer. Died of cancer. And then there's, like, the shortest of beats. Scooby and Shaggy do one of my favorite little bits, or, or gags, in which they grab bread and uh, uh, sandwich fixins, and they sort of... What's what's it called? What do card... They shuffle they it shuffle together. They together. do the bridge. They do the bridge, yes. Um, And they make a sandwich, and then they eat them. And then Sam... Uh, sorry, Dean. Dean. I, I, I'm going to keep getting it mixed up because of... No, dude, I knew Dean's name going in. But I underline. I didn't learn Sam's name in this episode. I just put a blank line underneath everywhere I needed to write a note about him, and I filled it in afterwards like a Mad Lib. <laughs> Dean like eagerly uh, races up, sits on the sits on the um, the bench or whatever next to Sh- Shag and Scoob, shuffles and bridges up his own sandwich, puts it, it like unhinges his jaw like an anaconda, and puts a sandwich in. It's like Sam, Sam. Look how big my mouth is. <laughs> I like it because at first we think he's like stuck, but then he's just savoring the moment with this giant dagwood in his mouth. It's such a delight. He he understands the constraints of the cartoon world that he's existing in, and he's exulting in that. I also love the it's there's there's a sort of give and take with who has the primacy, whether it's Supernatural as a series or Scooby-Doo. Like, who, which is the cooler show? Which characters are cool? Do you know what I mean? Like, which which kind of, which show's episode this is? Oh, yeah. I think a, uh, a battle of primacy, there's a give and take. Yeah. It's not consistent. It goes up and down. And I thought, I thought that they did it well. Ultimately, I think I'm pretty happy with the balance. There's some stuff I could have... I would have been fine not seeing, and some stuff I think I could have enjoyed seeing more. We are definitely going to get to some of the stuff that you would not have, you did not enjoy. We're going to get there. I told you early on, but maybe off air, that I had mixed feelings about this episode. But I'll tell you here, listeners, as you've heard, there's things I loved about this episode that were purely delightful. And the stoplight drag race against the mystery machine was one of them. Sam and Dean say, or I guess it's more um, Dean than Sam says, you guys are going to solve a mystery. Let, let, please let us tag along. We're also mystery solvers. Fred's game, because he is a pleasant, pleasant man. Uh, you can take it away. Describe, describe this little drag race. Uh, this little drag race is basically just the two of them pulled up at a stoplight, you know, back to the future style. And Dean says, hey, let's see how fast that mystery machine can really go. Fred, purely the gentleman. Okay, well... I'm game if you are. They they rev their engines, looking at that red light. It goes green, and the mystery machine is off like a shot. Dean doesn't even try. Dean he just chokes. He chokes on the smoke made by the mystery machine. Dean says the light was red, which is a lie. I went back and I checked it many times. The mystery machine did not go until it was green. 
And then I love um, Dean is also like he has one of those moments where he cries to the heavens. Fred, <laughs> I, I love that Fred is Dean's Dennis the Menace. <laughs> uh, I I also love that D- D- Dean gives us a little bit more note. Just the last thing of the diner that he thinks Daphne is settling for uh, for Fred, and because really, Fred's a wad, he thinks Fred's a wad, and so really he wants to get with Daphne. He makes a couple of passes at her at the diner. Um, so they, they tear off into the night. There's a figure in what looks like a long jacket who sort of stumbles out in the shadows. We don't get a good look at him. From here, we go to the Colonel's mansion. That's where we went in the, in the episode. And there are a couple notable differences we should mention here. This is, I will also say, this is the exact point at which Sam mentions what exact episode it is. This is where he labels it or titles it, A Night of Fred is No Delight. I also noticed the key difference. It's not on an island. Oh, in the original episode, we approach the Colonel's mansion on a boat. And it, and it makes sense, really, because they're not going to exit the Mystery Machine and the Winchester Mobile, respectively, to get on a speedboat. And they wanted us to start in a diner, and they, that's just a whole other transportation step that they don't want to do. And it, I have to say that it really does change. It's starting there. The setting really changes from A Night of Fright is No Delight. The, uh, the parallels are staggering. Um, but we, we go ahead and get into the house. Immediately, we meet the uh, the good old lawyer that we know in the original episode. I, I would encourage all of our listeners, actually, if you can or have the time, pause this episode and go listen to our actual recap of, of this episode. Because I think, I think you get so much more enjoyment knowing what actually takes place in the episode itself before you watch or listen to the recap of... Uh, a product that spoofs it. And that is actually um, our third episode, episode three, A Night of Fright is No Delight. Um, his name is Cause Good Creeps. Cause Good Creeps, Esquire. Almost almost shot for shot. It, this scene is the same as the scene in A Night of Fright is No Delight, first season of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Um, there are a number of relatives. This colonel is going to bequeath his fortune to them. He'll, his fortune will be split among four blood relatives, if you want to name them. I can name them really quick as I just pulled out. Cousin Slicker, Niff. Cousin Slicker, Nephew Noble. Cousin Simple, Cousin Maldehyde. Sweet Cousin Maldehyde. Sweet Cousin Maldehyde. And Scooby-Doo, who is not... And Scooby-Doo, who... I, I watched these two scenes side by side. I actually went back and I... Really? ...made sure it is could not be more identical up until Scooby-Doo, who in the Scooby-Natural version looks kind of like weirdly he has this weird expression and his eyes are a little wonky in the original episode it is way weirder and more wonky like 10 times weirder and more wonky in a way that they couldn't reproduce the other difference is that in the original the recording of the colonel says for those of you who don't make it through the night his share will go to the others in the new one it says his or her share will go to the others because obviously cousin maldehyde is there yeah, and I, I... And the original, they said his, as I, if the colonel had later recanted and been like, I'll put a woman on my will. I really appreciate that. I, I do like that they updated that one little subtle thing and everything else. Again, that scene played identically shot for shot. The only difference in the dialogue is that it was slightly more terse, but otherwise verbatim. Uh, I'll, I'll just run through this. Um, whoever stays in the mansion throughout the night gets a portion mm. of the fortune. If you're the only man le- or woman or whatever anything else left standing um you get the entirety of the fortune uh and while this is all happening sam and dean are both very self-aware and sam is kind of like how is this how is this possible 
Um, and this is the first time when him and Velma have an interaction, which Velma's like, Sam, there's no such thing as haunted houses. And we do this kind of thing all the time. And, and I like that she's not like, she's not correcting him on the legality of the situation. No. She's correcting him that he believes it's haunted. There, there is a brief bit of dialogue between the Winchesters that I think is key to the entirety of this episode. Oh, you're right. Oh, this part. Because, because Sam wants to just is keeps coming very close to telling um, Scooby Doo and the gang that they're mm. that they're cartoon characters. He wants to do uh, to have a Woody Buzz conversation. He wants to say, <laughs> "You are a child's plaything." But no, that'll that'll absolutely break the Scooby gang. Uh, Dean is a, hey, uh, they don't they don't know that they're in a, a C word, and we're not going to tell them anything. They're pure, and innocent, and good, and we're going to keep it that way. And and I, I really, I really like that. I like the idea that to him, they're, they're 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 from a simpler time, and he respects that, and he. He isn't eager to see Scooby-Doo brought into, made more realistic, or made grittier, or, you know, like, I, I appreciate that immensely. I completely agree that he very respects four-fifths of that, and the other fifth he wants to deflower. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it is, his thirst for Daphne it's, is... It's unquenchable. He, so he basically, where he's pushing is that he's like, so Daphne, you want to bunk up tonight? Uh... Don't be silly. Don't be silly, um, Dean. Um, girls bunk with girls and boys bunk with boys. And then she, like, skips off to, uh, to share a room with Velma. Dean at some point here also calls the gang the Scoobies. I like that better than the Scooby gang, personally. The Scooby gang, yeah. Um, now, in the original episode of A Night of Fright, we were in the guys' room for the evening. We saw them we, tidying up. We did, and we cracked wise about the girls, because I believed they all exit their doors not in their pajamas. The girls exit fully. And right. so we joked that the girls um, opened the door, walked through it, closed it behind them, and stood there waiting for something <laughs> to happen. <laughs> You're right. They were completely ignored in that episode. And uh, I like that they get more primacy in this episode. We cut to the girls' room where they're talking about Sam and Dean. Granted, it's them, like, talking about They the do dudes. not pass the Bechdel test. I was about to say, like, no, they're completely talking about these guys. And in this episode's favor, it doesn't make Daphne a, like, hot under the collar airhead. It makes Velma a hot under the collar <gasps> airhead. I don't think she's an airhead. I think she's hot under the collar. I don't, I, she's not smart. They don't make, they don't retain her intelligence. They make that naivete within the world of Scooby-Doo. Hmm. Well, um... But you're right. They don't make her an airhead. That, that was a, over, that was a reach. Velma's um, talking about Sam and about how he's like, oh, he, he believes in haunted houses. Uh, uh, a big lug. What a dummy. And then Daphne's like, oh, Velma, I thought big lugs were your thing. Don't, and Velma blushes hard like an anime schoolgirl. <laughs> I, I wrote, Velma is a sheepish anime schoolgirl. <laughs> oh, no way. No way. That, no, that is, and you know what? I, I also found that delightful. You know what? I'll say Jared Padalecki... And his, you know what? He is an attractive man, is extremely attractive. He makes Dean, who would be the lead in his own superhero show, like, if he was available for it, they would have given him Arrow. So, and I think this is them acknowledging how thirsty women tend to be for Jared. Sam. No? I, I don't know. That's the only defense I can think of for it, because otherwise I'm like, why do this to Velma? 
I, I, I don't know. I, I think we're gonna come to the end of this episode having to debate a little bit, but let's let's, let's just... keep moving for the moment. Um, cousin Simple is brushing his teeth. All of a sudden, he sees his own breath, um, as if the temperature had dropped, dropped, dropped <laughs> drastically. Dropped. <laughs> drastically no you saved it there that was good uh and yeah. and the phantom appears behind him uh it is one of the phantoms from a night of fright is no delight but kind of like amped up like the third evolution version of it where at a pokemon it has like yeah, way sharper it, teeth and it's like more menacing it, well it has teeth at all yeah whereas the other phantoms had no teeth they were more like scream uh like like the scream ghosts it's also holding a knife uh back in the room where the the Scooby, Shaggy, um, Fred, they're sleeping. Dean is just eating a Dagwood. <laughs> I love it. And I love it. He's really savoring it. He's trying to get as much as he can out of this experience. Sam kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I was thinking like, bela- be- belays him, ballasts him. Berates him. Berates him. Thank you. Is berating him. He ballasts him. him. He really gives him like a, uh, All of my words were <laughs> nautical terms. An adequate counterweight. <laughs> um... Uh, hey, uh, uh, don't worry about it. I know exactly what happens. Um, eventually we'll hear a scream. We'll all go over and Cousin Simple will be missing. But we, the, uh, the astute fans, slightly more astute than Dean, or no, we, who were privy to the bathroom, know that Cousin Simple, this didn't happen in his bathroom. It happened in his bedroom in the original. So we're already off the beaten timeline. Uh, they hear the scream. They're like, okay, let's go. They all run out. In this case... The entirety of the gang are still in their sleepwear. So it is, uh, this is again different. And I like it because it's more realistic. If you heard a scream, you would not first change into your daytime clothes. Yeah, like for them to all be out in their daytime clothes, Supernatural would then have to make a joke of it. And I'm glad they just kind of moved past that. There's other things we have to do, such as go find Cousin Simple, who is in his bedroom now. He's, he's tucked into his bed quite snugly. Yeah. Daphne and... reaches out to touch his shoulder. And says, oh no. She pulls back her hand and it's covered in... It's wet. Her, her hand is wet. They pull back the... Sh- they, they rip the covers back. And he's stabbed. He's like... He's gutted. He's butchered like a pig. I mean, I, I feel like you're being a little too... Let, let, let's save the gory... His skin is flayed. Ex- this is like uh, the... It's- yeah, refuse from the House of Bolton. <laughs> um, okay. All right. All right, RR. Um... Really, it's Cousin Simple, and he's in bed, and he has been stabbed, and the knife is still sticking out of his back. Mm-hmm. Dean is, uh, this isn't right. The body doubles don't show up until later. Because, as you know, again, we told you listen to the original episode, um, there's this whole thing about, like, there being body doubles to make it look like the relatives have been, I guess, murdered. Yeah, that's right. That's They find out that's why they thought the coffins that they find full of the relatives are not actually full of the relatives. Can I can I do this fun little exchange? Yeah, please. Cheapers, jinkies, zoinks, Rotro. son of a. B- and that's great. That's like that literally writes itself. By which I mean to say that people on Tumblr have written this exact joke. I like it. It works well, and that's out of Dean's lips, of who most every punchline on the supernatural side comes from. But our second source of comedy shows up pretty much immediately after that in the form of Misha, Angel Nisha. Um, wow, you are... I am jumping far forward. You're jumping... I, I can keep hitting things quickly. No, please, go for it. Um, what is, what is really interesting is that Fred oh. is eager and says, 
we have a mystery on our hands. He's like, come on, gang. And he runs out all excited, the whole gang. And then, no. and, and it's actually um, Sam this time, who's just like, are you kidding me? A man is dead. Have a little respect. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the whole gang seems to just be like, oh, let's go look for clues. They're nonplussed. They're not plussed even a little no, bit. No, completely unplussed. And the Winchester Rose are like, normally, normies are a little plussed at this point. And that's something to note about the Scooby gang is that they can't accept that their things are not happening according to their normal circumstances. Like, they don't... I don't think they truly believe that that Cousin Simple has been murdered. Yeah, and they're kind of in a Pleasantville-style trance. They're, they're sort of two-dimensional characters. They haven't been jarred out of it yet. Uh, to them, this is business as usual. Mm. There's, there's nothing quite out of the ordinary. Um, here's another little detail. It's not super important, uh, but I like that they put it in. Because, or I'm sorry, Sam is saying, if people can die in this cartoon, that means that we can also die. And Dean says, is Dean is not concerned about their own well-being. Dean is concerned about the well-being of Scooby and the gang. He says, um... I take a bullet for that dog. <laughs> I like his pure affection for Scooby. If not, his complete and misdirected wrath for, lust for Daphne. And complete ambivalence. Oh, his lust for Daphne is the worst part. <laughs> he does not I don't give think a he says F anything about, about her until literally like the end of this episode. This this episode doesn't just flunk the Bechdel test. It doesn't uh, take the you, Bechdel you test. You were right. Castiel does then appear. They think that he's the ghost. They um they trap him or they throw like a curtain on him and but it, no, it's it's not the ghost. It is Castiel. And he uh, he says that he'd actually shown up at the diner much earlier. He'd be transported. Well, let's let's go back to when he kind of followed the trail. He'd heard about the purple dinosaur. Uh, which is to say that there were purple sparks around the dinosaur. The dinosaur itself is green. There were also purple sparks around the television, which is what zaps him in following the Winchesters. Uh, he sees them drive off with the Scooby gang and has been catching up since. He's just managed to catch up to them at the mansion. I will, And I will say, I feel kind of bad that Castiel had to walk the entire distance that everyone else had to drive. That's a long way to walk, but he's an angel. He might have powers. He does not I demonstrate think. any of them in this episode. He, he does demonstrate some of them in this episode, actually, at one point. Does, oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. He says somebody at some point drops the purple dinosaur, and they're afraid that by talking about Barney, they're going to reveal to the gang that they're in a cartoon. Oh, I think Misha says that. He's like, oh, the purple... Is this like the purple dinosaur? And Sam and Dean are like, oh, no, it's a movie we're writing called The Purple dinosaur and misha i think says the purple dinosaur in love uh he has a very deadpan delivery one of the gang says that's a great title it is <laughs> i like it um pretty much immediately after that i think the lawyer is murdered what happens is they run upstairs they see a door that's ajar they see some blood splatter behind it and then the door slams and then all oh, of right. the doors slam and then a flashlight is knocked out of sam's hand by a hand by a claw that reaches through the door um then the door opens mm. um or rather i'm sorry uh, here, here's a little something the phantom actually pops up in front of all of them and what does fred do when the phantom appears fred tackles it and for some reason fred does this with every like this is not the first time he does it, and that, to me, is inconsistent with, I think, most iterations of Fred. 
there's some things in here that are not really consistent with Fred that they say that I think are more consistent with Dean's imagined version of Scooby-Doo, perhaps, than Scooby-Doo itself. And the ghost does leave, though. Like, I, uh, whatever, it's, it's gone. And they're like, oh, the ghost came through this door. That was the door behind with the blood splatter. They open it. Um, and and who was it that is uh, that is behind there? Uh, oh, we see the head of Cosgood Creeps, like John the Baptist, severed and presented for everyone to see. And we see the rest of his body strung up, kind of ritually in the room. It's really gory. I would say it, it, this would not have been allowed to have been shown on Supernatural proper. I think the only reason they were able to is because it's animated in a cartoony style. It's in, Which is pretty interesting that they're like, oh, we're in an episode of Scooby-Doo. Let's take this opportunity to cross lines we couldn't normally cross. You normally think they would shy away from that because they leaned into it here. Just a decapitated head is is pretty... I think that's past... P, that's PG-13. A head is PG-13. Yeah, but I then you know. have um, a, torso, a headless torso and arms that have been strung mm. up to the ceiling and then the bottom half just the legs separated as well and it's really i wrote here in all caps disgusting i mean it's it feels like an episode of hannibal yeah is really what it strikes me as it's i i don't know supernatural super well so that's my point of reference the gang again takes this in stride fred's like oh boy another clue and like sprints out of the room. They still, they can't quite acknowledge it. And this is one of the ways that I think Supernatural is kind of, it's more an episode of Supernatural. It has primacy. It, there's more take here from that. Uh, yeah, I, Sam is kind of like, is this typical that the gang will come across dead bodies and then just walk away from them? He's he's pretty perplexed by it. Um, They then are going to, they're going to split up and look for clues. Of course, Sam's like, that's a terrible idea. We shouldn't split up and look for clues. We should all stay together. Velma, because she's so hot under the collar for old broad shoulder Sammy, t- taunts him. Really, Sam? I wouldn't expect such a big, broad-shouldered man to be as chicken as Shaggy. Sorry, Shaggy. <laughs> and Sam... Not taken! Not taken! And Sam buys into it, and he goes with her up to the attic to go look at... to investigate together alone. Thirsty, thirsty Dean instantly uh, runs to Daphne, and they're going to pair up. And then it's like, Fred's like, that's great. It'll be the three of us. <laughs> Freaking Dean. And then um, that leaves Scooby and Shaggy with Castiel. And I will say, I think that these pairings or these, these trios are genius. I agree. I really like the pairings. I wish they did a little bit more with them than I think perhaps they have time to do here. But, like, Castile, for instance, going with Scooby and Shaggy has one of my favorite moments of the episode. And I just... It's weird. This is, like, 45-ish minutes, and I feel like it could have been a feature... Like, like a direct-to-video, like, hour 10. Easily. They barely even bookended it with the live-action Supernatural bits. They spent so much time in the animation world. They barely... No, it's mostly animated stuff. Um, But I I just... I find it so enjoyable um, because... Uh, you have hmm. Dean sort of trying to trying to uh, trying to get in on Daphne, um, but Daphne is also kind of like uh, oblivious to his to his efforts. Yeah, she's completely oblivious. She doesn't acknowledge it at any point. Velma is kind of going for Sam, which I only really accept in the context of everyone wants Sam. We 
we don't really have many character moments with Castile and Shaggy and Scooby, except we don't. And and I think that's the one that is given the least. I think it it's deserving of justice. I think that they should have uh, thrown a few more minutes in the direction of they, that match. They couldn't really find a way to be sexist with it, so they <laughs> I think they just kind of like left it off the plate for a little bit. Understandable. I'd have done the same thing. But uh, he does have a nice line when he meets up with Scooby and Shaggy. He says, wonderful. I once led armies. Now I'm paired up with a Philistine and a talking dog. And it's like, <laughs> I guess dude, he was an angel general of some sort. He was an angel I, general. Like, I get, I get that you're really important and stuff. You know what? God has multiple angel generals. God didn't make any talking dogs, Cass. Be, be impressed. But yeah, like Philistines, I get especially... I like the Philistine reference. That is nice. Um, I feel like... I need, we need to just devote a little more time, spotlight a lot of these fun moments. Well, um, I, I love when Dean talks to Daphne. So, Daph, what do you look for in a guy? Uh, strong, sincere, and an ascot wouldn't hurt. Uh, they go in, into a library, and Dean notices a book, by which we mean to say he notices the one book that is co uh, colored more brightly and outlined more darkly than any of the other books. And he... Fred and Daphne don't understand him. He's like, no, that book, that one. There are a lot of books on this shelf. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Fred says. Exactly what uh, says. Wh which I book? I love that. The one that isn't painted into the background of the... He's going to say cartoon. He yeah. doesn't say it. He pulls it out. And it doesn't... There's no, like, clicking reaction. It's just like... And he just, like, tries it a bunch of times and nothing happens. Then, trapdoor. Which, I, I believe, that doesn't happen in the episode. Does it? It doesn't happen in the episode, but they use it as an opportunity to show kind of a network of tubes and tunnels mm -hmm. that lie underneath the mansion that are there in the real episode. Normally, they lead under the mansion into the guts of the island. That doesn't exist here. It just kind of leads you onto another floor of the mansion, not even quite a basement. They do sort of like the requisite, oh, it's dark. You can only see the our eyes sort of glowing in the dark. Mm. He's all like, ooh, uh... He, he sidles up to someone who he thinks is Daphne, you know, trying to, again, yeah. like, get a little bit closer to her, and I guess starts, like, massaging her Well, no, he says, he says, Daphne, are you okay? I should probably give you a once-over, or something like that. And then when the lights come on, we see that he's got his hand on the leg of the Phantom. Um, so they got chased. Uh, we go to Shaggy, Scooby, and Castiel, walking in that order. And then behind Castiel mm -hmm. is the ghost, and the ghost is also creeping. He's got sort of, you know, his shoulders hunched. Uh, classic Scooby-Doo. Um, and uh, Castiel kind of like, that is a terrible costume for a ghost. And then uh, Scooby and Shaggy actually save him. They whisk him away. That, almost as if, like, they were saving Scrappy, um, which is kind of odd. I, I really don't know how powerful Castiel is if that... Like, that's kind of, I don't know what that matching is like. Who is in danger in that moment? Kind of interesting just to me. And and there is the uh, whole thing with, with Daphne and um, with Daphne and Sam in the attic, in which they're both going back and forth. And it is this interesting, mm. I, I find their interaction the most interesting out of anyone's. It's definitely the most intimate, it feels like. It's the most, like, there's the most discovery there. It, it feels a little true, because Sam, Sam can't tell, or he doesn't want to tell Velma that they're in a cartoon and that their life is a lie whatever and velma is absolutely convinced that it's sam who is wrong yeah like velma has this complete assuredness uh of that the world has nothing supernatural in it um and but she also has a real affection for sam and like a vulnerability form like i mean a hotness for sam 
she's a Coney Island horn dog for Sam. But but I think I think it also is fed from the idea that she she feels intellectually superior to him. Mm. And I think that helps alleviate some of what she might feel uh for him in more of like a physical um you know like animal magnetism kind of stuff. I see what you're saying. I don't think that's played out in the episode. I think that's a great angle that could have happened, but I don't think they stitched those two together really at all. Though it, they really could have, and I think that could have been an opportunity. They don't there's only a very brief part where I feel like we do character explorations on the Scooby Gang, and that's also something I wish I wanted more of. But I it does feel like the most important scene in the episode is Sam and Velma in the attic together. And not because of the romantic tension, but just because of the yeah. There's a lot unspoken. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, the entire gang comes together, and there is a musical chase scene. Uh, it is scored by the actual Scooby-Doo, Where Are You theme song. It is. It's great. We have the corridor scene within there. I know from AV Club comments that Scrappy makes an appearance running through the corridors at one point. Did you not see him? I did not see him in the episode. I saw him immediately. I did not. He, there's just, it, it goes quickly with them going in and out of so doors. So fast. I will say a really fun little detail and I think hats off to the animators on this. Mm-hmm. They could have, they could have, I think they could have done this much more lazily. I think they could have done it much more like the original episode. Um, but they really put a lot of uh, effort into it. Everything's lovingly rendered. And one thing that is very lovingly rendered is that when the ghost is going in and out of the doors, it's going through the doors. Yes. And it, it really phases through. And that seems to be the thing that kind of surprises the gang. The gang's like, whoa, how did that happen? And they kind of give themselves shaky assurances, like, uh, must be a projector. <laughs> um, uh, at one point, they nail all of the doors shut so that the corridor scene will cease to become a corridor scene, which I thought was fun. Um, and, and then we have my least favorite moment of the whole episode. Is it when Dean eyes Daphne nailing it's, the door? Everyone's nailing the door, and Daphne, who does wear kind of like a, like a relatively tight dress in the original but everyone's clothes are less tight in the original. But, like, she's nailing planks on the door, and they really animate up her hips and her butt. They really do. They like really do. I mean, they give her some stems. And Dean really is like... Mm, he he's ogles her. Really ogles it up. It's, and she... Male gazes it up. Really does. And Daphne is completely unaware of it, which does not feel like an adequate rebuttal to that. Yeah, you, you would want something negative to happen to Dean, but instead... Um, the, mon- the phantom um, phases through the door and Dean has to uh, has to save her or pull her away. And I think the way to flip that is that Dean, because he's distracted, is the one who has the phantom sneak up on him and then Daphne has to save him. Yeah, I the flip that I wanted, because I think there is a way we could make this work, is I want uh, Sam, Jared Padalecki, to be like nailing stuff up on the wall and he's like sexy woodsman like sweating and like we really see them biceps work. and then it's velma i want who's... velma and shaggy and fred and scooby to be like whoa <laughs> like i want huh. equal row row <laughs> soinks <laughs> like i want equal treatment could make that could not exp- let's split up and spend some time alone <laughs> like i feel like the if they did something like that, if they tried to make a joke about it so it's almost like, oh, yeah, like, we all thirst for someone, and it's innocent and when it's fiction. Yeah, like, people are attracted like, to people. Like, or and just, not... like, there's, you can read a little bit more depth and nuance into it, but they don't. Like, that's not the direction to go. Anyways, 
Dean ogling Daphne is a bit disappointing. Uh, and I, I agree with you, and I think that your fix is an excellent one. Just make it a little more even. Um, they, they're all hiding in jars, which is a the Scooby-Doo thing. I think that happens in this episode. They eventually are in a room, and they're trapped. When they're hiding in jars, I have to say, Dean goes in for a kiss with Daphne, who for a moment seems about to return it. it, it the second time I watched it, it kind of looks like she does, but I think she also kind of looks confused, like what's happening right now. And then, as you say, we, we're kind of stumbling towards a fight scene. They're, they're all in a room, and, and I, I, think, I think to its credit, this episode, this Scooby Natural, gives Velma the most to do. And I think that is rare for Scooby-Doo. Even for modern Scooby-Doo, it's rare that Velma gets the most to do out of the entire gang. She is the, yeah, she has the most presence of anyone in the gang. I like that some of what they do with her presence, again, is not the best. Because I think the second place would go to Daphne, and her treatment is not a whole lot better. It's, it's not. Um, but, but Velma says, for the last time, there's no such thing as ghosts. And as she's saying that, her glasses fog up. Mm, they and, freeze and similar, up, which is a thing with ghosts like the purple sparks in the supernatural world. Uh, cousin, similar with Cousin Simple, it appears that the temperature has dropped drastically. I will say that. Uh, I will enunciate that. Um, and uh, the Phantom appears. And Fred, once again, like, was he a, a, a linebacker in college? This is never a thing with Fred. I think he's not... Even if he tackles towards the ghost, he never quite gets it, and it's only in defense of someone, I feel like. Fred's not that dumb. Maybe that's just my version of Fred that I'm imagining, and this is, again, Dean's version of Fred that he's imagining. I think a headcanon would be that, as oblivious as Fred seems, he realizes that Dean is trying to get close to Daphne, Mm. and so Fred is... Fred is not going to change his demeanor because he knows that that's what Daphne likes about him. She likes that he's polite. She likes that he's pleasant. He's not going to become snide or, or cruel. He's just going to put himself out there a yeah, little bit. He does well by never rising to the chest. This is something that I will say also occurred to me at the time is that this might be Fred actually demonstrating some of the frustration he feels. Though that never, bu- if so, it never bubbles over the surface. Uh, I'll get him. And he, and he leaps at, at the Phantom, and the Phantom hurls him against the wall bodily. He cracks the drywall. He, fall, he slides down. And, and this is when the episode gets super real. Um, the Phantom lifts a claw and levitates and um, Daphne and Velma up to a corner of the ceiling. And they're trapped yeah. there. And this is when we see the true nature of Scooby and Shaggy, who, as in some early episodes of Scooby-Doo, completely abandon everyone. Upon seeing Velma and Daphne trapped supernaturally, they say, now it's time for us to go. <laughs> <laughs> they do. And then they try and sprint out. They don't make it because Shaggy has knocked out the window. Uh, again, via some sort of telekinetic ability. Um, Sam and Dean, now is their time to shine. They grab iron candlesticks. Those of you who know folklore know that um, mystical forces, iron is sort of their kryptonite, as it were. So they stab the candlesticks into the ghost's back, and that seems to do the trick. And I think that's actually when the ghost knocks Shaggy out the window. Shaggy's falling through the air. Scooby jumps out and grabs Shaggy. And who's grabbing Scooby? But Castile. Uh, and and um, Shaggy still falls. And here's when, like, that was all really real because violence is being enacted on the characters. This is the moment where it gets as real as it could get. It more gets real way than way more real. Th- more real than them seeing a murder, which you would think is is bedrock. Um, because because Fred gets up and his head, his hair is 
uh, messy. It's tousled. He's like bleeding from the nose, but worse, he's, his yeah. hair is his hair is tousled, and that's what makes him feel no longer invincible. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. There's blood. There's blood coming out from his body. Um, they mm-hmm. look down, and Shaggy's fallen, and he fell. If you watch, he does fall on his arm, and and Castiel is sort of like holding his head up, nursing him a little bit. And you do see in the moment that his arm twists a bad way, and that's exactly what he says. His arm is broken. Like, do I look like I'm okay? And he says that with. His voice is tinged with, like, hurt and shock and, like, anger yeah, a little bit. And, and hearing Fred, like, scared and angry, and especially Shaggy being, like, hurt and turning that hurt on others. Because his pain is so I, great. I, I jumped out of a biplane in a museum, and I was fine. No, fact and check. It, he jumped, He went into a biplane in a museum in the first you, episode. Did you go back and watch uh, A Night of Fright is No Delight? Or sorry, um, what a night for a night! What a night for a night! Man. First episode of uh, first episode of Scooby Doo ever. Are um, they never jumped out of the plane. That's the one part that's different. Uh, but yeah, there was a biplane in a museum. Blah blah blah. And and yeah. his and you actually see this is gross. His arm is not only bent; it's discolored, like an actual broken arm yeah. would be. Like as if it's actually bruising, and that is gross. And that also feels like something that. I'd be surprised to see in an episode of Supernatural. Though Shaggy's arm is immediately bound with like bark and a belt, and he's they, they fashion a splint uh, for his arm. And when they cinch it, he does smile like, "Oh, that's better." Um, and and uh, Daphne says, uh, "Fred, give me your ascot," and they use that to create a sling for him. And I think that's when Fred truly looks vulnerable. He has no ascot. His hair is very messy, and he yeah, there was a little bit of blood on his nose. Um, yeah. And now things, I'm, I, th- I think we sort of hinted that all of that was the realest part. This is the realest this part. This is the real part. This is the part of the episode that I think we've both been dying to talk about this um, whole time. I think it is Dean who says, uh, we have to tell them the truth. They tell them the truth. Everything's real. Vampires, real. Werewolves, real. Uh, angels, demons, real, real, real. And the gang has a crisis. There are three characters... Velma, Daphne, and Fred who react. Pick, pick. I guess, I don't know. Because I, th- I think I don't want to go back and forth. You talk Fred to me, I want to talk Daphne to you. Okay, and then can I do Velma? So, yes. I'll, well, Velma's first. Hers is pretty straightforward. Because she, oh, yeah. she, she prides herself on her intellectual strength. And so her reaction is, how could I be so stupid? You know, she's like, oh, I was dumb, I didn't. And mm-hmm. it's just like, okay, well, Velma, that's cool. I really like Fred. Uh, Fred's like, we were stopping real estate developers when we could have been stopping Draculas, and he starts banging his head into a tree, and to me that is perfect. I love that he's he would rather have been IRL fighting Draculas, as he says. Yeah, because he realizes he's a fake. I don't even I don't even no? think it's the fake. I think that he's just like clearly they're still solving crimes. Oh, uh, that's true. But I think to him they're not operating at the level that they could have been operating at. Like, like his 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 uh, aspirations are loftier. Wave, and I think that's you're classic right. Fred. He wants the biggest mystery. Those are the mis- Those are the truest yeah. mysteries. And he never solved it on his own. Daphne's takes the cake for me. She please take it away. She considers. Wait, ghosts are real. There's an afterlife. Heaven and hell. Am I going to hell? And it's oh, I, I is it Mindy Cohn who's doing Daphne? Uh, Great Lyle, I believe. Who's doing Daphne, and she nails it. It's, yeah, it's it's so real, and they're they're all, the entire gang, Scooby and Shaggy maybe a little less, 
Well, she, the crazy thing is that Daphne says all this stuff, and let's extrapolate from this to say that she never really considered the afterlife outside of this. The gang, prospectively, is atheist across the board, or at least Daphne is. But then Scooby and Shaggy, maybe in response to her, say, yeah, we've been telling you this for years, but you never listened to us. And it's like, Shaggy and Scooby, do you mean ghosts or heaven? <laughs> Have you been proselytizing all these years? Like, what is the canon here? But we never quite go deeper than that. And that's the, oh, it's, it whetted my appetite, but oh, it didn't satisfy me. It's, uh, the entire gang has a collective existential crisis. And that, it's, oh, crystallized, crystallized that moment really for good. me. I think really good. I just, I, I loved every moment of that. And, and I think it really, I mean, like, it's why, or rather, I'm sorry, that's why, it's, it's why Dean very rightly so was like, Sam, we cannot tell them what the truth is. Yeah, but... Here, we have no choice. We gotta have him pull through. And it's Dean, fittingly, who kind of affirms the gang and says, hey, you guys are still worthwhile. Like, you can, we need you to do this right now. Pep talk, pep talk, come on, let's fight. And Daphne, or excuse me, Velma protests, but we don't know how to do this. We've never fought ghosts. We don't have any of the tools for it. The Winchesters do. They've got a trunk full of tools, the Winchesters, yeah. So then we have, I think, the classic like gun cache in a crate in the trunk of a car. What, what I would what I would call the Men in Black scene. Very true. Um, they're about to give a shotgun to Velma when <laughs> I think Dean says, "Oh no, 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 that's a Scooby. Don't. We don't give them weapons." And for a second, I was like, "Is that a reference to Do's and Don'ts?" Billy, Billy and Amelia's podcast, Scooby Do's and now, Scooby Don'ts. Scooby Don't is something that's been used in the titles of Scooby Media for a long time. So I think it's as likely as anything just to play on Scooby Doo. I also immediately thought about their podcast and I was like, "Oh, say something that makes people think of our podcast." Say Scooby Dude, say Scooby Dude, you mother. It fits so much better. Oh man. Um, Dude, can you imagine, though, if Scooby-Dude was referenced in this? I would cry. I would actually cry. Scooby-Dudes. Look, Sam, we're the Scooby-Dudes. Oh, you're killing me. You're killing me. I can't entertain that idea. Yeah, it would be great. Um, but no, they instead of giving the gang weapons, the Winchesters... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Fred says, uh, Fred says that they can help, because right now it looks like Sam and Dean are really taking point on this one. And then, um, and then Dean says... Uh, uh, do what you do best. Build a trap. Which is a dumb thing for him to say. Because, and it is. I'm sorry, no, I'll get to that later. Is it a dumb thing? Is it a dumb thing? For Based on what Dean thinks of Fred, that's a dumb thing to say. Because he later says, spoilers, skip ahead. He later says, no, okay. no, 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 I don't, I don't want you to spoil it. I don't want you to spoil it. So the trap that they set is very similar to the one that's set in the original episode. It's very similar, um, which is in the original episode, they get the there are two phantoms mm-hmm. um and they are knocked into a they slip and they slide and they fall into a washing machine and somehow the washing machine turns into like a mini biplane and it flies around and how does the trap go i mean well, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work. work because i I, I forgot to um i neglected to mention this that after the phantom trips the chain and the axe comes down it releases a bundle of coconuts that will hit the phantom and then sort of knock the phantom into the rest of this trap. The problem is that these coconuts are not made of iron. Yeah. So it doesn't really affect the the phantom. It just phases right through them. And then it's Shaggy and Scooby and Castile that trip on the coconuts. And and fall into the washing machine. I also neglected to say this. I think this is a important and cool detail 
they have blocked all of the other exits and entrances with salt so that the fandom mm. can only go through one area. Uh, so it's a, it's a, again, it ties in with the way that su- the supernatural world, tr- it ties in with the way that supernatural treats the supernatural. But things go off the rails, and very quickly, uh, we find ourselves with, I'm just going to cut to the mini Scooby-Doop, I would call it. Right before that, like we, like we said, Scooby, Shag, and Castiel are the ones who end up in the washing machine. Sam's like, I told you this wasn't going to work. Fred, uh, Fred's traps never work. Which is not fair. Fred's traps... It's pretty fair. But, and, and which is why there was an Operation Plan B. Uh, the, the monster goes into the library. It's menacing the gang. Scooby and Shaggy are throwing books at him. A Scooby-Doop, as you mentioned. Or the, rather, the closest thing. We'll get to a Scooby-Doop. The closest thing to a Scooby-Doop. Really, it's just Scooby hands the monster a giant stack of books. And the social pressures to accept a giant stack of books are so great that the monster must comply. Uh, and, and by the way, listeners, what Luke just said, that's a Scooby-Doop. Scooby and Shaggy typically are taking on roles, their characters, and that is what is creating this scenario. But in this case, I guess the role that Scooby was taking was someone who has a stack of books. And what I really wanted to see is, like, Scooby reenacting something from Supernatural or something like, oh, your brother's dead. <laughs> you have to go to hell to... Okay, terrible Scooby-Doo voice. But, like, I wanted something. <laughs> your brother's you dead. Trying, you you gotta to go be? to hell if you want it. Was, was that Scooby-Doo? <laughs> I'm Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah, obviously. You know me, I'm Scooby-Doo. Raggy, your, your brother's dead. <laughs> You have to go to hell. <laughs> Thanks, Christian Bale's Batman. <laughs> when you when you when you say hell, it kind of gets way scarier. Yeah, no. It's not Scooby Doo anymore. It becomes Pete Holmes's Batman. Christian Bale's Batman. <laughs> um, but it works because Scooby distracts the monster for just a minute, holding these books. Then Scooby pulls the brightly colored book in the bookcase that makes the monster drop down, down the tube system, down, down, down into a pre-prepared circle of salt. That's where Dean and Sam and Sam <laughs> and I guess Castiel are. Thank you, thank you for saving me. Um, they're kind of it can't get out. It can't get out because because salt is uh I don't know like an occult. It's an arcane whatever. And now we find out the true identity of the monster. We have kind of our supernatural unmasking. They they basically ask it to show its true form. Its true form is a child. Yeah, it's a child. Oh, it's and what's the what's the lore with this child? Can we tell it really briefly because I frankly don't give a crap about it. Uh, it yeah. did not I, hit my heartstrings. Uh, so it is a ghost. It's the ghost of a child. The child uh, never wanted to hurt anyone. Uh, the bad man he makes me. The bad man is Jay. <laughs> Jay, the creepy bad guy from the very beginning. Who is making bad guy eyes at us the whole time. Um, so when this kid died, his soul was tied to a pocket knife. And basically what this guy would do is he would take this pocket knife and put it into items and thereby, ha- I guess, haunt the items. And this kid, he says, sometimes he gets, just gets so angry, he breaks things and he hurts people. But really all he wants is just to see his dad again. So he wants to pass on. So the, so the, the Winchesters cut a deal with him. with him. He says, listen... Bring us back to the real world, and we'll release your soul. We'll help you out. And the kid is like, yeah, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll help you. Pretty straightforward. The kid is, I mean, he's a kid. 
He's not looking for like uh, also throwing an Xbox. All he wants is like one thing. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty easy deal. But Dean and Sam kind of recognize that the gang is mentally scarred, and they can't just leave him like that. Well, it's which is to say, they open mm. the door to see the gang, and the gang is oh they're in a bad place. Uh, you know they're like uh, give me a shotgun, give me two shotguns. <laughs> They don't trust anything. Their sense of normalcy is gone. Which is understandable because I think at the point at which Sam and Dean tell them it's all real, it means that the dead bodies they saw earlier were real. And it's true. They, yeah, they they now take everything that has happened way more seriously than they took it in the moment. So Sam and Dean have one more request of the child ghost, and that's to help set things right with the Scooby gang. And I love the way they do it. They um, They... Feign an unmasking scene. They're like, gang, hold on. Um, they bring the gang back, and they're like, Velma, you were right. I was. Uh, and and um, they, it's it's the phantom, I guess, wrapped in uh, rope, tied up. Yeah, like Velma, you were right the whole time. And they pull the the mask off of it, or the and it's uh, the head at least of Cosgood creeps. Uh, we were fooled, but Velma never was, right, Velma? And and then um, they're all and the gang's like, "Cause good creeps, mm. but what about the flying?" Uh, and then the Winchesters explain, "Oh, that was wires. Mm. What about the phasing through walls, projectors? Uh, wh- what about the bodies? Was it was it dummies filled with corn syrup?" No, I love that. And like, uh, yeah, 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 that, yeah, yeah. That's right, what it was. Right, that, yeah, definitely. Um, and then Sam is all like. Uh, yeah, but it, but it doesn't matter because all of this was done for a fortune that was all in Confederate dollars. Which is um, consistent with the original episode and the only reference to the Confederacy that they carried over into this new version. And and while all of this is going on, Castiel, on the sly, as you said, demonstrates his angelic powers by healing Shaggy's arm. Yes. He also demonstrated them earlier by flying to save Shaggy. There was that too. Oh, I guess I saw that as more of a cartoon physics kind of thing. It it looked it played out like that. I only got it on the second watch. Like, oh, I guess he's flying to save him. So it seems that everything has ended happily. In fact, there's even a romantic connection at the end. Um, there's a lot of wrapping up. Dean says to Fred, uh, uh, you're you're not so bad." Um, Castiel says to Scooby and Shaggy, "I will miss your wise words and your gentle spirits." You've shown me the strength of great laughter in the face of danger. <laughs> and Scooby and Shaggy are danger. And they, like, freak out. They, like, scream and leave. And that's a good reminder that the terror that the other three experience today is something that Scooby and Shaggy deal with all the time. Regardless of the actual danger that they're in. That's the new canon that's established, yeah, is that they're always terrified because they believe in the supernatural in a way that the other three only do now. They were sort of never men in blacked. Uh, yeah. to sort of uh, bring this, Never in bring the this first all back. Place. Like they, they, it's like when the men in black meet people who already believed in aliens. They've never looked into the neuralizer, whereas the rest of the gang, they were hard reset. Someone poked a little paperclip into that hole in the back of their necks. I was born by the neuralizer. No, it, it molded me. I didn't see a... Huh? What? So, so <laughs> ill-advised. What? What am just, I saying? Just tackle the last, tackle the last <laughs> thing. I, I saved it for you. The last thing. Thank you for saving this delicious morsel for me where Daff, uh, Velma just basically grabs Sam, swings him down in like a, a dancing dip, and then kisses him on the lips. Those shoulders. 
Jinkies. That I didn't care for. Let's deal with it when we un, when we wrap this episode up. But we can deal with we can it. Deal now, with it now, actually, because like, because because it's it's Dean who says should have known Velma was good to go. Gah, always the quiet ones. And it's like, ah, come on, man. That is the worst line. Like, man, every time I think, like, oh, man, they're trying to balance something out here with Sam and Velma. I think, first of all, it doesn't balance it out to make Velma so horny for Sam that she's uh, just, like, grabbing him and smooching him unsolicited. Like, that's the same thing Dean's doing, and it doesn't really work. And for another thing, Dean just being, like, directing his, oh, I should have directed my boundless uh, thirst elsewhere. I don't. I don't so much mind Velma kissing. Um, kissing Sam, because throughout this entire episode, she's talking about his shoulders. He's like a burly, big burly guy. She. I. I think that that's consistent, and it kind of balances out a little bit, sort of. Um, Dean. Mm. Towards Daphne, I just think like Daphne. I. I. What I don't like about the line, I think the line, sort of on its own, is kind of like. Oh man, if I had gone for Daphne, maybe she would have. If I gone for Velma, or rather for Velma, maybe she would have like reciprocated my feelings. I think I don't like the whole always the quiet ones because it's it's lazy. It's a lazy trope that the quiet nerdy girls are like uh, wild in bed. To put it like you know, I mean every part of this from oh I should have gone for da- for Velma. And, like, quiet girls are good to go. Basically reduces women as having value, to Dean at least, as sexual objects. Right, to Dean specifically. And I just... And especially because even if we take out the quiet one's comment, he considers them interchangeable. Like, that's the thing at the end, which demeans or it diminishes Daphne's place as kind of like an archetypical romantic desirable partner for Dean. Um, whew. So on on every level, I see that they're attempting stuff. Like, I, I can see, like, oh, they're trying to balance out the bad idea they're doing with Dean and Daphne with the still not advised idea they're doing with Velma and Sam. But again, I, th- I don't think it balances out. I think it's just two mistakes. I don't know. To, to me, it doesn't, it just doesn't work. I, I, I agree with have their cake and eat it too in that characters behave consistently with the exception of Velma. Because it, it sounds like, it sounds like we're going to make fred this very cheerful very pleasant sort of naive guy but we're gonna have velma be smart but also be a more uh physically affectionately forward so that i i think i i well it's like they agree with that the one thing i really wanted to see here and i think i get that this is an expectation i bring to it it's not necessarily what they've got on sale but it's like oh i'd love to see scooby-doo explored through the lens of supernatural through the lens of anything and we do get a bit of that with them freaking out to the supernatural stuff but other than that it's mostly just a tour of this episode of scooby-doo the one thing that's invented aside from the beautiful moment of crisis the one thing that they bring new velma is crazy thirsty for dudes with broad shoulders and to me that's not a very creative decision what would have made that work for you I think because I, I don't hate it. I like, kind of like it. What would have made it work about like Velma being really hot for one of the characters in Supernatural? Yeah, more depth on any of the other characters with anything else. Like we we aren't exploring new facets of anyone else. In fact, we're aggressively denying the idea that these people are anything more than they appear to be in the cartoons. Like they aren't able able to even conceptualize something, and not even when there's a body in front of them. 
that there's a world that operates differently than these than we've seen in the cartoons. Yet they introduce this new element for Velma just to make her hot for one of the main characters. They aren't uh, they aren't introducing any new elements or suggesting that there's anything more to these characters than what appears on screen for anyone else, which makes it feel like it's purely like oh, uh, okay, these women are complete sexual objects. One who and the joke is that Dean doesn't get his sexual object when Sam gets a sexual object he didn't even want. I mean, I I feel like we're I feel like we're sort of stretching. I I think that we're using the term sexual object very liberally, in the sense that I just read it for the first time today. Am I not using that right? <laughs> I'm trying. To... <laughs> I'm a femi- I'm a feminist. Um, I think no. I, I honestly, this episode is going re- really well, I, long, and I I, I think really, we I, trophy. I could say I I think I think we covered this with the whole have your cake and eat it too. Um. So just to wrap this up, that's pretty much it for the animation. The little ghost kid transports Dean, Sam, and Castile back to the real world where they destroy the TV, they find a pocket knife in it, and they go back to get some sweet revenge. Uh, before they do that, they do, they do take a blowtorch to the, oh, to the yeah. pocket knife because this releases the soul of the child. Oh, man, I almost missed this note. They really make a feast of killing the child. They really... <laughs> They really they make the an emotion. The child is dead. Yeah, they really make a feast of passing him on to the afterlife. They they really treat that as an emotional moment, that's like really weighty and like it's really delivering something. When it's like we introduced this child late in the game, right at the end, and, right at the very. And there's very no backstory. It's not like this is my dad's pocket knife or like anything. Like there's no depth, even artificially expositioned onto the it kid. It is. It is very somber. It is. It is a short somber somber moment. I think I like, and I know that I know that this doesn't justify the live action mm-hmm. bit, but when the kid is talking about how he does stuff that he doesn't want to, he's sort of this ghost that's been um, placed in situations in which he's doing things. Yeah, he's he's haunting against his will. Um, the animators took care to have Castiel, uh, Dean, and Sam like emotionally react without saying anything, mm. and I thought that was very well done. You can see they're just kind of like, they're kind of upset about it. They're like, this really sucks, and like, this shouldn't have had to and happen. And this definitely feels like something that happens in Supernatural, the live-action TV series. Like, this feels like a moment from their show, just like we had the unmasking moment for the gang. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we're going to cut back from there to the pawn shop, or whatever kind of shop that was where they got the TV from. And Alan um, is in the middle of signing over his store to Jay. Like He has two he- more sig- like sign here and here. And I think, does he sign one of them, and he has got one left? Yeah, actually. Yeah. They get him before he manages his second signature, and they're like, hey, this guy was a crook. He was planting haunted spirits in, like, oh, goodness, the flashback. Oh, the flashback. <laughs> so, also, like, Dean is wearing an ascot. Um, oh, I love that. That's great. I love that Dean was wearing an ascot. We could have had that without having some of the moments we had. But they go through they go through a whole Scooby-Doo style reveal of the plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cut back to the the crooked real estate guy, like when he's in the pawn shop, sneakily sliding the knife like inside of the green Barney costume, like between two of its like spikes on its back. As if there was already a hole there. And what I love is he looks around and he just kind of does this goofy, like, evil smirk. Not even at the camera, but to nothing. Oh, yeah. Do we talk about why he's doing this, by the way? Uh, well, he, yeah, he's doing it so that, um... You you probably said already, sorry. They, well, they explain it in this exact moment that he's been doing this to okay. all of the, uh, 
the establishments in the area so that he can buy uh, so that he can buy these properties for cheap. Yeah, he, he scares away the owners, then buys it for cheap, and that's what he was doing to the pawn shop owner before they caught him. Uh, and of course, there's nothing they can do to prove it. We also have a flashback to when <laughs> Sam and Dean are moving the TV out, and the pawn shop owner's like standing in their way in the doorway and like slides the knife in. And then like wa- goofily mugs at nothing in particular. <laughs> at us, at we the viewers. He he does say with some confidence, and I and I can't blame him. Do you think anyone's going to believe that? And I quote in response, we hacked your financials. <laughs> and so, again, apparently the bad guy doesn't like paying taxes. Good thing, otherwise he'd get off scot-free. Yeah, they, they, uh, I think they make some Al Capone reference, which is a good one. Good enough for Al Capone, good enough for you. And, and I think what I really like is... I guess he, he's committed tax fraud, mm-hmm. and you hear in the distance police sirens. <laughs> no, the cops swarm and show up. It's like it. they, they take him away. I also love that the villain, the villain they state was a crooked real estate developer. Velma was right. Velma it was a was shady right. real estate developer yeah. all along. Uh, Jay says, I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you meddling kids. And Dean is very excited. He should be because we've yet to hear that in our watchings of Scooby-Doo. He, he did it. He said the line, and then he he mugs at the camera. Scooby Dooby Doo, <laughs> and and the screen kind of like blacks in all around. It goes like, like James like, Bond like, circle um, on him, or like Porky Pig, like kind of circle. Both, but that's the episode in earnest. Uh, we've got some time to kill. Let's <laughs> let's. Let's wrap it up. Final thoughts, Evan. Big thoughts. I I think I told you I, I really really enjoy this. Um, and and I I admit that there are flaws, and and you have opened my eyes up to a good number of them, but I still really really like it. I think that it is. I think that it is respectful of Scooby Doo. It's not respectful of everything, but it is respectful of Scooby Doo. I think. And I also really enjoyed a lot of this episode. The things that I took issue with took me out of it. And um, that's disappointing, but I wish there was more of this. I think a Scooby-Doo crossover should become a staple in any TV series. I'm getting vigorous nodding. I mean... So, I will say Mm -hmm. that I was going to start this outro by singing a... Um, an edited version of the song Supernatural by ah. DC Talk. I'm glad I didn't actually yield my time on the front end. <laughs> but I would have had to um, I would have had to like have actually tweaked the lyrics of the of the chorus. Um, I, I can sing the beginning of the song if you would like. Oh yeah, but please sing the beginning of DC Talk's uh, Supernatural. Uh, Supernatural. Uh, let's you know what? It's honestly been I want to say a couple of I don't know this song. Um, I was not a DC Talk guy. Um, this world's a tortured place to be So many things to torment me And as I stumble down this road It takes a toll And then, uh, I think, was that Toby Mac? And then someone else uh, jumps in? It was actually Toby Maguire, but yeah. It, it might have been Michael Tate. Anyway, CCM, everyone. <laughs> you either know it or you don't. <laughs> okay, now I'm gonna all hit back with a Newsboys song. It's a little bit more my speed in that era of my life. 
What an episode indeed of Supernatural hey, that... <laughs> I don't understand what? your bit. What? Was that no, a Newsboys song that you were... Yeah, nope, just filling air with a little bit of Lion King. Don't, don't do this. <laughs> Why not? Perfect. Don't make For jokes, any moment. Don't make hey. jokes that don't make sense and then move on like you didn't do it. Okay, I feel like you're really blasting me right now. Um, that episode was called Scooby Natural. If I can just say now, it should have been called Scoobernatural. Why didn't we say this in the episode proper? I can't believe we didn't. We saved it for the outro. But, hey listeners, you just listened to us cover Scooby Natural. You should have listened to us cover Scoobernatural, but that wasn't what it was called. And now you're here in the outro portion. Welcome. Yeah, this episode has run on for much, 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 much longer than we intended. So we're just going to race right on through. I can hit as many things as I can if you want. Do it all. Do it all if you can. Hey, do you have email? If you want to email us, email us at scoobydudespodcast at gmail.com. If you have Facebook and you like us, please like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash scoobydudes. If you are on Twitter and you like to tweet and you want to hear us tweet about things, please follow us on twitter.com slash thescoobydudes. Uh, lastly, if you want more bonus content, if you want uh, to read that show notes that I have written about little references that we've made throughout this episode, maybe you want uh, it's it was a song or a show or a movie, go to scoobydudes.com. You will also see... Um, screenshots that I have taken that both Luke and I have captioned with uh, humorous little jokes. Uh, that should be almost everything. The the only other thing, as a matter of fact, the only other thing to mention is Patreon.com. If you want additional content that's exclusive to people who give us money, that's what Patreon is for. So Patreon.com slash ScoobyDudes. Go there. Donate to us. We'll shout you out the first time you donate. We'll give you a bunch of great content on the Reggie Reg. Check it out. And we'll also donate... We won't donate. We'll donate a shout-out back to you every single week. Yeah, Yeah, how do you like that? I will say that um, these little shout-outs, they are to all of our donors. We actually have a new, not really new, more, more, this is kind of the prodigal son of donors. Oh, someone's come back? Someone's come back. Uh, My my good friend, Theo, has has re-upped on his I don't uh, like the precedence. I don't like the precedence we're setting that you can... You'll get a prodigal son return welcome if you leave us. Especially because, and I don't know if we should say this on air, Evan and I give half of our inheritance to every <laughs> single donor. Which means we have very little left because it's cut in half That's every true. time. Um, let's just say this. I have, uh, I have asked my servants to prepare the fattened calf. I have I have taken my ring and I have placed it upon his finger. I have Tell, uh, put I've mm. taken the rope from my shoulders and put it around his shoulders. He's I never left you. I was here the whole time with you, Evan. He, uh, you're you're jealous, but can can't you see? My son has left, but now he has returned. <laughs> Cue the DC talk. Oh man, we just Jesus freaks. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yowza. Uh, uh, well, we have to end Supernatural with a parable. How could we not? That, uh, that, that's it, right? Um, uh, th- this, we have... Uh, that's it! Our very first artist came back for a title card specifically for this. Oh my gosh! We buried the lead! Yeah, we did. Oh, let, let's dig that lead back up. Here. That's some wet dirt being moved. There's the lead. Here it is. Sam Wade... 
Thank you for the beautiful title card art that you've been so kind as to give us. Again, coming back for this very special return. Uh, that's not the lead I was referring to. Oh, what was the lead? So this is the this is the one last thing that I want to touch on. Um, and it's something that you uh, maybe didn't realize right off the bat. I'm here to remind you. Uh, do, just in case you remember, do you have any idea what it is? No, no idea. Okay, so Luke, on March 31st of 2017, we released Scooby Dudes Episode 1, What a Night for a Night. Here we are, uh, this episode being released on April 2nd, 2018, that marks a calendar year of Scooby Dudes. And I think this right now is the calendar year. Us right now in this moment recording is the calendar year. Yeah, it's the 31st of March. This right is, now. This is a Scooby Dudes anniversary. I'm so sorry. I, I'm not even going to pretend that I remembered, honey. It's incredible to think wow. that a year ago was our first episode. One full year ago. It's amazing to think of how much content we've released in just one year. This is, this is our 42nd recap episode. My goodness. It's 42 episodes, and that's not counting all of the non-recap episodes we've done, like our four-friend interrogation episodes. Some of the best work we've done. Our two prompt episodes. Yeah. Um, we did a bunch of just, like, fill-ins apart from that. We've created a ton of Patreon content. We've commissioned so much art. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, so I want to take this time to think, and I know that we did this in, like, the, the New Year's, um, our New Year's episode, but thanks for sticking with us for a year, if you have. Hey, no problem, man. I would say I have been here in, in spirit and in mind, and obviously here with you ever recording. Thought, you're welcome, dude. I thought you were going to say in spirit and in truth. Like, I thought we were still oh. doing that, like, <laughs> that general bit. Um, and, if, and if you haven't been with us for the whole year, mm -hmm. I'm happy that you're listening to us now. Honestly, thank you most to our new listeners. Old listeners, like, you're whatever. I take you for granted. Uh, but new listeners... You guys are awesome. You're the best. I appreciate you so much. And it's, frankly, it's finally getting good with you here. I think Honestly, it's finally in, in worth way, it. in a way, if you think about it, it, the old listeners are like the listeners who I went out and hired at the beginning of the day. <laughs> and then in the middle of the day, I went out again, and I found more listeners. <laughs> and at the very end of the day, uh, I found our latest listeners. Um... <laughs> But I paid all of them the same amount. <laughs> well, surely, don't you think? Or, I mean, like, dude, our, our early listeners, and I agree with you, but our early listeners are going to come back to you as they've already started emailing us and say that, hey, we should be getting paid more than the later listeners. Why are they getting paid the same amount? And I can't remember <laughs> how that, what, <laughs> what the point of that parable was. I guess it's God's grace. Uh, I think the employer says, go suck it, and then they make a union and demand equity. Oh man! Um, thank you, thank you for listening to a year or an episode's worth of um, of Scooby Doo recaps, jokes, and uh, just inaccessible humor, <laughs> depending on who you are. yeah. We hope you've enjoyed this year on the outside. We hope to give you many, many more years. I want to say with mm -hmm. a good amount of confidence, we'll be back here next year. A year from now, we'll be right back here, my friend. Because it's been fun. It's been a ride. Most of all, for our dear listeners.